Hey, welcome to Five Cups of Discipleship. Actually, hey, Shane, thank you. You were already at 10, 10 steps ahead. Um, so I, I love the fact that Lindsay has made this the most mysterious <laughs> Bible study class of all time. Uh, I am looking forward to unpacking uh, this. Uh, and I want to, let me give you a little context and aim for um, why we're doing this. And this is a little bit, a little bit of a deep dive here for a moment, um, kind of giving you some vision for our days ahead. Uh, and I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably share some of this in, in some coming Sundays in, in other ways. But I, it, is, it is becoming evident and clear that, that this is the hour for the church uh, to anchor itself in the powerful truth of the word of God. And that as we do that, uh, what, what will become more and more evident, I believe, is that we, we cannot do this thing alone. That we have got to be a community of people who know the truth of God's word as the... Um, uh, as the ideas about God's word and, and about the truth become more anathema to what our culture is, uh, as we see the twisting of the word of God uh, grow greater and greater, um, it's, it's becoming incredibly important for us to, one, know the word of God, but then two, to be walking with each other. And the Lord has put this on our heart as a church to be a a place where people can be truly discipled, to grow, to come together, to link arms, to be able to have an opportunity to experience the kinds of things that we saw and, are, and that we see in the word of God, um, where the disciples are being built up and they're walking through challenges, but God is showing up faithfully. They're walking with each other meeting each other's needs and all of the things that come with that. And we'll unpack a little bit more of that um, uh, as we do this class. But our heart cry is to be a church that creates a true sense of community with each other. Uh, but you can say community all day long and then never actually like activate it. What does that actually mean and what does that actually look like? And so in the days ahead, we're gonna be looking for opportunities to put more and more communities of men and women and people together to, to link arms with each other for the purpose of growth and for the purpose of moving forward in the mission that God has for us. And so um, I wanna point you to, if you want to, you can grab your Bibles because we're gonna just start here. Um, in, uh, in Mark chapter three, Mark chapter three, just a, not, not too many verses before what I preached out of this morning, but Mark chapter three, um, G, we're going to see at least a concise, and that's what's great about the book of Mark, by the way, if you've ever just had an opportunity to look at how the different gospels are laid out. You just want to see what Jesus did. You just want the, like the, the guts of what, this, of what the Son of God did. Uh, read Mark. Mark is going to tell you that. And so it's going to describe here in Mark 
And I, in fact, I feel like I'm supposed to pray before we get into this. So I'm gonna pray for us. I'm just giving you, I gave you the, <laughs> I gave you the intro and the Bible verse, and now I'm gonna pray, okay? That's what every good sermon's supposed to do. Okay. <laughs> Father, we are asking for your presence. And our heart cry is to, to live and to do your word. And to see your church thriving and to see a people group who are anchored in truth and who love each other well and are not afraid to challenge each other and call each other up, who are more and more devoted to your truth in every arena of their lives. And I'm asking that you would do that here among us. And so your presence is welcome here. We want to see your word. We want to open it up and we want to walk together. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Mark chapter three, verse 13. Jesus goes up on a mountain and he called to him those whom he desired and they came to him. I love that description of just thinking about what's in Jesus' heart. You just read over that, but there was something in him he desired, he hungered, he wanted, and he operated, of course, in the perfect will of God. Verse 14, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, 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 so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And, and Matthew will tell us that they were also given authority to pray for sickness and to heal diseases and cleanse lepers. These were the, the authority that's gonna be given to the disciples. And he appointed the 12, Simon. He gave the name Peter. Uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, who he gave the name Boanerges. Sorry, I didn't look that one up. That is the sons of thunder. That's what that means, I'm assuming. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So this is a concise um, version of the calling of the 12 in which he initiates and speaks to them. But I, I want what I, the, the main thing that I want to point out was that Jesus's plan from the get-go was never to call people to hear all his awesome messages and then go home and take naps. But he had in mind that they would come, they would hear, and that they would take and receive and be able to give away, that he was gonna call them into action, that he was gonna authorize them, if you will. Now, I love a good nap after a Sunday. In fact, I like them a lot. But what I mean by that is just, he wanted to authorize people and this, uh, his, his disciples, his followers, by showing them and doing life together, that his method, and so, uh, what I, the, the term that I want to use here is life on life discipleship. 
Life-on-life discipleship is the most effective way for real and true transformation to take place. And the reason that I can say that is because this was Jesus's method of discipleship. His choice for how he was gonna do ministry was to grab 12 men and bring them around him and say, let's do life together. This is, in effect, a a Jesus style or a a Jesus method of discipleship is a life-on-life model. It was less based on a classroom or a program and more based on authentic relationships where real dialogue and real experiences and real weaknesses and real strengths could be seen so that maximum growth could take place. And if you've had an opportunity to engage the word of God, one of the beautiful things that we get to see all throughout the Bible are these very real and raw conversations that Jesus gets to have with his followers in which they have all kinds of different and even wrong ideas about what they're supposed to do or what he's supposed to do. And he gives, he gets into the guts with them and, and he's willing to press them and call them and he's willing to rebuke them and to encourage them. And there's this full-fledged picture of real relationships that are taking place all throughout the gospels. And it's happening with all of these men. Now, we'll get to see Jesus ministering and healing, but when you see Jesus unpacking his parables, it's with his disciples. When you see him dealing with um, all kinds of like, uh, you know, he gets to deal with James and John who are like, who's gonna get to sit at my right, you know, your right hand, could it be me? And, you know, the mom's kind of pushing in. So, I mean, he's dealing with pushy moms, right? He's dealing with bad ideas. He's dealing with Peter who's so zealous. He thinks he's gonna get the world by the tail. And Jesus is like, dude, you're gonna have to pull it back, all right? So, you know, you're saying all these things. You you have lots of great intentions in your heart, but you don't actually understand what you're talking about. So you get to see all these conversations take place. To me, what this is saying is these are the kinds of real conversations the church or what I would say modern day disciples are meant to be having, where we get together and get into each other's lives and have some very real conversations for the purpose of bringing the gospel into the lives of other people, for taking the kingdom wherever we go. So meaning this, that it's not just to say that we did an awesome Bible study. And I, I am so for Bible study. I am so for being filled up. But the point of doing this life on life model was to be able to show them the way and say, let's do this together. And while Jesus certainly was the son of God and none of us would cop to thinking that we have, we're anywhere near anything like that, there is a call on each one of us to be a disciple and also to make disciples. And that's where we go back to, and I mentioned it even, uh, or at least um, I mentioned it this morning, but there is a mission for the church and it is from Jesus' own words to go, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, starting with a nation in your house and in your backyard and in your neighborhood, and baptize them, bring them into my family in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you while you do this to the end of the age. So this is in his heart, this life-on-life model. And so did Jesus teach to crowds? 
100%. Did he attend synagogue and worship? Yes, absolutely. But when you boil down the crux of what he did, he poured himself into 12 men. Uh, Because he knew those 12 men, listen, if it's not for those 12 men, the whole gospel movement stops in a moment. You understand? And this was Jesus' plan. This is a crazy plan, if you're asking me, because these guys were, in effect, knuckleheads until the Holy Spirit comes on them. And this is what's cool, church. I'm looking at a set of faces right now who were all able, amazing receptacles of the Holy Spirit, ones who receive it and are now called, filled with that same Holy Spirit that Peter and James and John were filled with. That's the call in our lives. And so this, this, I'm gonna be with these 12 men and pour my life out. This is what was supremely, hear this, transferable. Because hear this, not everyone is meant to or needs to preach, right? Especially as like, I think public speaking is like the number one fear in the world. Everybody's going, please don't make me stand up in front of other people. And this is what's great news, that in fact, the primary means for the gospel to go forward was actually meant to go person to person, relationship to relationship. And guys, what we can all look at right now is that the church has gotten a little bit, or I'd say the Western church has gotten to a model where we gather as many people as possible to hear the cool guy on the platform. And while that's not wrong or sinful, it is not the primary method by which Jesus designed for his message to go forward. It was actually going to go forward uh, in personal relationships, just through discipleship. Uh, And so you don't have to preach from the platform to be a disciple. That wasn't the primary aim of how Jesus's style of ministry went. And while he did preach and he he was in the public places, And he was going to authorize his disciples to do the same. The way that he went about training them was one-on-one, life-on-life model with his followers. So the aim of this class then is to, to create a practical guide to help us grow as followers of Jesus or as disciples uh, in all areas of life. Okay. So the, this class and this teaching is designed for people who you know you're a follower of Jesus, you are convinced of the need for discipleship, and you want to learn how to become a more effective discipler. What does it mean to actually be a disciple, and what does it mean to actually disciple others? And so, um, in fact, I think whenever we get into a detailed discussion about discipleship in the church, or what should it look like, or what should happen in the local church, Um, if you're anything like me, and I grew up in church, we often have a tendency to move toward a program mentality. And programs are not bad. Programs are not wrong. Programs are often initiated and created to try to hit as many people as possible in, in, in the most efficient way. So we'll create some kind of teaching or idea or curriculum, and we pull we pull people in in classes and we do, uh, again, meetings and those kinds of things. And there's an, there's an automatic expectation that everyone 
uh, will do what's offered to the entire church and to address as many things as possible uh, simultaneously. And again, nothing wrong or nothing bad. The, the only issue with that is that the authentic relational connection is often lost. And that is the most meaningful part of what Jesus did with his disciples. And we get to read about it and see it. And so we're left to begin to ask the question, how can we get to this discipleship model where we thank God for preaching and teaching and curriculums and those kinds of things? Um, But how do we re-engage the idea of doing this in a life-on-life context? How do we begin to do authentic relationships that help each other grow? And I ask you that question because my guess is, and I'd be willing to put money on it if I were a betting man or not a pastor, which is inappropriate, all right? But most of you, the most significant moments of growth in your life were happening with other people. I thank God for the preachers. I'm one of those. I thank God for the conferences and those moments. But the stuff where life actually, you saw real growth and transformation. You had somebody walking alongside you. They were walking with you or encouraging you. You had people that were meeting with you or speaking into you or calling out some stuff that needed to be called out. Those were these moments. Those were the moments where real growth began to take place. And so my belief is that churches are effective in discipling followers of Jesus when they utilize a combination of classes and, you know, listen, I thank God for retreats and conferences, and those are things we'll look to do as a church family. But that we have personal relationship-oriented mentoring that's taking place. We really want to see that happen. So this is going to be focused. This next few weeks, we'll probably do three more weeks with this, is going to be able to, we're going to try to just define what it looks like to have a a real guideline for connecting with people personally and walking with each other. It will take a measure of vulnerability, which let's be honest, the church church at large has struggled with Um, because we all know the religious spirit. We all know we've experienced what it means to try to put on the happy face at church or act like everything's okay and not be able to get into the things that are very real in our lives. And this is what's called for when we come together. Uh, It doesn't mean you have to share all your deepest, darkest secrets or all those kinds of things. But what it does mean is there's a level of vulnerability that's going to be the, the groundwork for us to be able to grow and to move forward and to see effective discipleship take place. So um, let me just say a couple of things about mentoring or discipling before, and I'm going to actually unveil the five cups, which I know that's the only reason you're here. Two major issues uh, that plague people when it comes to discipling others, okay? Number one is the misnomer that a mentor must be perfectly effective in an arena of their lives in order to help other people grow. That somehow you gotta have everything together if you're gonna disciple other people. And we've all been waiting for that moment to happen in our lives so that we can become great mentors and disciple makers. (laughs) And the problem is we just keep 
We never get there. We never arrive. We've, we've never, we, we don't arrive at the perfect marriage and we don't arrive at the uh, perfect uh, level of Bible study or we want to be greater in prayer. We want to be greater in uh, growing in our gifts or whatever the things may be or we wish we had less sin in our lives or we wish that we weren't you know, plagued by temptation because we, you know, somehow we're the only one that struggles with temptation or whatever the case may be. We have all these thoughts that are going on and the greatest stop to true discipleship in the church is because we're all waiting to somehow arrive at that plateau. You know, know what I'm talking about? It's like, when I'm, man, when, when I get here, man, this is gonna be awesome. I just can't wait. Now, I'm gonna be, <laughs> no. And I say that, this is my, me bearing my soul. I remember being a 15, 16, 17 year old. I felt called to vocational ministry. And I remember thinking, man, I cannot wait until I am, I'm a pastor and I'm married and I've just got it all together. I remember that. And I'm like, I mean, I'm 44 and this is, this hasn't happened yet. What's wrong with me? That's, I, I wish I could talk to my 16 year old self. My 16 year old self needed some discipleship going, dude, you're waiting for this plateau to arrive. It ain't coming, dude. So let's just get on this journey now. Stop waiting for the day to come and let's jump into this thing. So that's the first major issue we want to be able to address. Um, because if we have to be perfect or completely effective to be able to disciple people, then I probably should step down as your pastor as it is, right? Um, and you guys could, have, of course, ask my wife. She could tell you all of the how, you know, how often I miss the mark. Yeah, right. We could do that with each other. Um, um, I... I could say I regularly preach on things that I need to and want to grow in. So there it is. Um, so the power, listen, the power of discipleship is to say that the word of God is perfect, not me. And let's aim toward this together. Let's aim for what the, the Lord's calling us up and into together. And so we want to do that. So uh, and so I'm willing to engage. I want to be willing to engage and ask questions and depress, but I don't have everything together and none of us have any, uh, 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 none of us have everything together. And uh, certainly none of us could say all of our relationships are perfectly aligned or are, we have a perfectly curated theology where we can answer every question uh, that, might, that someone might ask me. And we feel all these fears that keep us from engaging in real relationships uh, with each other. And I just, I want to begin to pull those things down and just say, let's begin to move forward. Because um, even as I look in this room, and you guys that are joining us online, but as I, I, even as I look at the people in this room, I think, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the effect that this church could have on our city with the quality of people that God's bringing here to build together. Um, here's the second issue. The second issue with discipleship is the problem. I have no idea what to do with a disciple when we meet, right? What are we supposed to talk about? What are you supposed to do, right? Are you supposed to get a curriculum or a Bible study? What are you supposed to do? And so what I want to do is unpack the five cups, to just begin to give a direction. Now, the five cups is not, uh, the, this is not like the only way to do discipleship, but what this is gonna do is gonna give us five arenas 
to begin to check in with each other. All right, so we, I use the illustration, or I use, I say this, um, the, the, this, this training uses the illustration of five cups because there's a picture of both being filled. This is a cup, as we know, a cup, cups are filled, but then cups are also used to pour out. So there's this picture here of a free flow of life into us and then out of us to others. And so we're gonna have five cups or five arenas that God wants to be filling new and fresh and five arenas where we can be pouring out as well uh, with each other. So each of the five cups represents a life category that we're asking God to fill up. And discipleship is the process of engaging and filling those cups. So each one of these life categories and so I'm going to go through these and then, um, and then uh, we'll finish out and, and talk through one, one, one last thing for this morning. And then we'll unpack these and what it looks like to do this stuff together in the next couple of weeks. So five cups, the number one cup. Oh my gosh, are you guys so ready for this? Oh, even waiting with bated breath. All right. Uh, the, the cup number one is the character cup. The character cup. Character is the sum of our attitudes and our inner thought life, which often stays hidden and away from everyone else. Our tendency toward action or inaction, okay? Character is the sum of our attitudes, our inner thought life, and our tendencies towards either action or inaction. And so it reveals such things as whether we're trustworthy or honest, whether we're able or willing to work hard, these kinds of concepts. Uh, Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5 through 7, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount, it's encouraging us to take on the character of Jesus, which was totally upside down for his day. And so it's a great window uh, into godly character and a great use. And again, we'll, we'll unpack more of these as, and, and how to utilize these cups or how to utilize these arenas of life in the place of discipleship. But uh, I want to, uh, so that, that's the summation of the character cup is dealing with the stuff that's on the inside, right? And all the ways that we think and our attitudes and all of those and being able to be real and honest and then seeing those conformed into the image of Jesus. Number two, the faith cup, the faith cup. So your level of faith, and we'll see this through scripture, is in direct proportion to our intimacy with God. So faith isn't in measure to what we can drum up on our own. Faith actually is in direct proportion to how near we get and close we get with Jesus. I know, which I love. So how do we measure our relationship with God? Well, the truth is you can't actually, I mean, sometimes there are ways that we can't measure it, but we can assess, however, how we're pursuing God or how we're responding to him or whether we're responding to him. That if we want our faith to grow, we're going to need to make decisions 
that cooperate with the work that God is doing in us, that we want to spend priority time with God in anchoring down in the study of his word in the place of prayer for the purpose of listening intentionally for his voice so that we can obey. And I don't know how or why the word obey kind of became like uh, synonymous with often legalism or uh, like, you know, uh, the idea that, you know, you're supposed to do something under some measure of compulsion. And I'm going to tell you, what you'll see from the word of God is that Jesus is looking for people that will obey him because they've been undone by him and not obey him because you better or else. And somehow that trickled into the church, but there is a level of obedience the Lord's calling us to in all of our lives. But it comes as we deepen in intimacy with him. And we understand that we are operating out of our place as sons and daughters not as slaves. Slaves do. Sons and daughters know the king and they want to be with the king and, 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 uh, and to operate in his plans and purposes. So uh, that's the faith cup. Number three, the relationship cup. The relationship cup. Your maturity and my maturity, our maturity can be measured by our relationships or the absence of relationships. Meaning, do you understand what it takes to be a good friend? Are you experiencing good friendships? How are you dealing with family relationships? How about romantic relationships? So our goal is to be able to freely interact in a wide variety of relationships in a way that's promoting emotional health and growth. Okay, we all want to function in healthy, thriving relationships. When you and I have had bad relationships or toxic friendships or unhealthy uh, relationships with our spouses or with our children, it becomes incredibly difficult. Uh, those, Those have a major effect on our lives. And so God's wanting to ask some questions about how we get to align all of our relationships with his design, plans, and purposes. And what's beautiful is that God has that for us. Um, and so this, this is an arena or a cup that we want God to pour into that we might be able to be poured out into others. The fourth cup is the finance cup, which everybody loves. Money is a direct window into your heart. And this is, I wish I could say that I'm making that up, but that's that's not. That is straight from the word of God where he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think that's really interesting because you would tend to think where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. But what Jesus is actually saying is you can tell a lot about what's going on internally by seeing where your treasure is is, is, where you place it. So scripture says, again, where your treasure is, that your heart be, and that's Matthew 6, 21. So money is the third most taught subject by Jesus in the New Testament. How we spend or save our money reveals a lot 
about our relationship with God. And so learning to allow or ask God to have control over our money is a key step in our growth as a disciple of Jesus. And so, and of course, you know, the church has a, a long and weird often history with money um, because uh, it has, the church has uh, in many times and places at points throughout history and certainly just depending on which denominations you might've come from, been really unhealthy on this issue. The church itself has been. Church leadership has been unhealthy on this issue. And so this is a critical arena to get right in the Lord because uh, the Lord has things to say about it. And as, this is what's beautiful, that he's our provider ultimately. So God's interested in the provision business and calling our hearts into alignment with his provision. And so this is, this is not, by the way, this, is, this arena is so much more and broader and beyond money in the church or, you know, we're off in the church when it gets into matters of finance, it's about tithes and offerings and all those kinds of things. This is alignment with God's plans and purposes that is so far beyond just the church. And so, or I would say, even just church leadership or even the gathering of people. This is about his people coming into agreement and alignment with him. Uh, And then number five is the ministry cup. The ministry cup. So ministry is another way of saying your, our spiritual function that if you are paying attention to the assignments that the Lord has on your life, then you get to fulfill the role or function that God has given to you in the kingdom of God. So if you're bearing fruit for God, you're engaged in ministry. I wanna say that again. If you are bearing fruit for God, you are engaged in ministry. And so we need to learn what our spiritual gifts are. And we want to make sure those are being exercised. We also want to develop a servant's willingness to do what is needed so that the work of our hands can ultimately glorify God. So a lot of this is about posture, about being made ready to be used by the Lord. And even as you guys are in here, Um, You're sitting here because you have a heart to make a difference in the life of people. When you talk about being a disciple or making a disciple, this is a part of what it means to be a part of the ministry of the kingdom. Called as ministers of reconciliation to bring life wherever we go. And so there will be multiple arenas where the Lord's gonna have us um, seeking to be effective and ministering to uh, people. So these are the five arenas uh, that, and we're, we're going to unpack each one of these. Well, again, we'll take it just a couple more weeks. We'll unpack each of these. And then what it looks like to like interact and interface with each other um, so that we can grow. Now, I want to share, we'll finish with this, is um, what is called the principle of limitation. The principle of limitation. And that is this, that ministry is the outcome of our walk of discipleship. But our walk of discipleship can also limit our ministry or the ways that we have impact in people's lives. 
Meaning you could be strong in two areas of life, these two, two, two of these arenas, and which would be great and we'd rejoice and, and it obviously is a blessing. But if there's one of these areas that is significantly lacking, it can cause ministry or the calling on our lives to falter or to find areas of weakness or you might be, find yourself held back. And I think I could say even in my own life that you can have arenas where you think you're thriving, but if there's other stuff that's going on that you are trying to hold the Lord at a distance, you're going to find uh, your effectiveness limited in many ways. And the Lord's faithful uh, to come through and to overcome and to speak, um, but it's important to to look at this, this principle of limitation where our weakest areas will often put a cap on or limit our ability to be effective. So that's the point of opening the whole thing up here is to say there, these are all arenas and we might be rocking in some of these, but there's others that need to come up under the Lordship of Jesus. That's why we want to talk about what, what is full life on life discipleship connection with each other, growing in each of these areas. And so we want to, with these five cups represent five major categories that we want to begin to press in with people. So now the couple of questions and we're, we'll finish here. This is, we're, we're at the end of our time. Number one, um, what will it look like for us to begin to do some of this um, in this church together? Uh, one, you, these five cups could be used uh, for certainly any of our small groups. But what we're going to be looking to do in the days ahead is to launch um, essentially smaller small groups. We're calling them micro groups because what's smaller than small? Micro. So, uh, so in the days ahead, we're going to be looking to launch micro groups. Micro groups are groups of three and four. Try to hit four max groups of three or four that come together for a season to dive in together and just say, hey, let's go there. You might already be in a small group. You might be in another short-term thing. You may be a part of other Bible studies. Uh, You may be part of one of our serve teams here, but a micro group is an opportunity to to like engage and wrestle. So we're gonna be looking to raise up leaders who just wanna do micro groups for this express purpose of, hey, let's do life-on-life discipleship, encourage each other, lift each other up, pray for each other, get into these things and say, hey, what's real, what's going on, and how can we? So this is what we're looking to do in the days ahead is raise up those that wanna function. And again, to lead here is not to say that I've got my life figured out. To lead here is to say, I want to do this with people. I want to, I, want to, I want to see God's kingdom come in deeper and more powerful ways in our lives as we align ourselves with God's plan and purpose. Um, the other thing that I want to just submit is that as we share these five cups, this is a great opportunity for us to begin to ask some questions, which is, all right, Lord, what are you doing in my life in these arenas? And is there anything in me that you want to begin to just work on? Um, are there places that you want to begin to speak to? And even as I was going through this and just thinking about this, I'm going, hey, I, I, got, some, I got some things that the Lord I know wants to begin to show me and deal with me in, in these cups. And so this is an important question to ask. Whether or not you ever become 
uh, you know, you choose to, to lead a micro group or, or whatever, or honestly, if you already have a community of believers that you're really deep with and you want to go, that you're, that the, this is an opportunity just to begin to ask these questions and say, okay, Lord, here's some, these are some full-fledged arenas. And Lord, what are you accomplishing? You might find that a couple of these arenas you feel really strong and there's some other cups here that you're going, Lord, would you begin to do some work in me? But my encouragement to you for you guys that have taken time to be a part of this class and certainly if you guys are watching online is your homework just to be willing to ask the Lord, is there, is there something that you wanna do here in me? Are there some things that you wanna see? And if you're going, yeah, there's some stuff that the Lord, that the, I, I know there's some areas that the Lord wants to work. Then what that means is you don't hide until you can get these things together so you can go do and be a part of the discipleship, a, a micro group. What it means is then get in a micro group and let's grow in these together. And that's what we're going to be doing in the days ahead. We'll be launching these out over the next several weeks. But I just want to begin to encourage us to just get gut level honest and begin to ask these questions and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? And so, um, yeah, so this is where we're going. This is just a part of, it's not the totality of everything we're going to be doing here as a church. But what this is, uh, what, what this is, is an opportunity for us to say, we believe discipleship and being engaged in each other's lives is really important. And especially as the, in the days ahead, as we're looking to, to build each other up and who knows what'll happen even culturally and governmentally. And listen, I, I'm not a dooms, I, I, I'm an optimist. As I think Kevin, Kevin, you, you, you taught a class and you said, you were, well, huh? Right. You're knucklehead. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Um, I'm an optimist. So I, I'm not a doomsdayer at all. But what I do know is that it, this is the hour for the church to be anchored. This is the hour for the church to be uh, being built up because we have a message of hope that we've got to take to the rest of the world in whatever ways. We may never be on platforms, but we all have arenas of people that we're touching people's lives. And it might just, just be in our home right now. It might just be in a workplace with a couple other buddies or whatever, but this is... I, I believe we're meant to be built up right now. And I just think that Jesus's model was to do this together with linked arms. One guy with 12 to do this. And so we wanna see more and more of this happening. So looking forward to this, we're gonna pilot stuff and we'll get stuff right and we'll maybe need to tweak some stuff. But I'm just looking for some people that wanna link arms and so let's just do this together. Let's grow, let's pull some people in. Um, I, I, would, I could entire, it would be entirely possible and we'll talk about this in another week. I could see microgroups that are fully evangelistic. They're, you, you're a part of a microgroup with these people are not in our church. They're just people like, in, you're just like twice a month doing this with uh, uh, over chicken salad in the break room. Or I don't know why I said that, but you know, it's just like you're hanging out and just doing that with people that, that might never actually show up in here, but you're discipling them out there. They don't even know they're being discipled, by the way. So anyway, we're going to unpack even what an evangelistic uh, microgroup might look like, because I'm excited about those too. Um, so yeah. So okay, 11.44. I got one minute to pray. No, it's 11.45. I got this one minute to pray, and then we'll close out. So Father, I'm just asking right now uh, that you just begin to give us a vision for relationship with each other, for true discipleship, for life on life to take place where we're partnering with each other, to be, be able to be real with each other 
to grow, to see your kingdom advance, to see your spirit rise up in us, to make us whole and new, to cleanse us fresh, to make us pure and holy. All the things that you've called us to be, God's gonna happen when we link arms together. And so I'm just asking that as we come together on Sundays, we're encouraged and emboldened to continue this process with each other in a regular way. Lord, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Dismissed.